Chapter Twenty of the Combined Maze by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Twenty. That was on the eighth of June. He remembered because it was a Saturday. Saturdays and Sundays being the landmarks of his existence, by which alone he measured the distances and marked the order of events the habit of so regarding them was contracted in his early days at woolridge's when only in and by those hours snatched from woolridge's did he live all other days of the week were coloured and had value according to their nearness to saturday and sunday monday was black tuesday brown wednesday a brownie grey thursday a rather clearer grey by thursday you had broken the back of the week friday distinctly rosy and saturday and sunday even when it rained a golden white he hadn't been married a year before all the seven were shady the colours ran into each other till even sundays became a kind of greyish drab and still he continued to date things by saturdays and sundays as he did now in his mind exultantly thus saturday the eighth jujubes knocked out in the first round not that the dates went for very much with ranny to whom interesting things so seldom happened he remembered this one more because of his scoring off jujubes than because of the scene with violet and its sequel he was used to scenes and sequels and was no longer concerned to note their correspondence and significance so that he never noted now that it was on and after thursday the thirteenth that what he called the great improvement had begun he meant the improvement in violet's appearance he had accepted the fact that in all household matters his wife was a slut and a slattern yet it staggered him when it first dawned on him that in the awful deterioration of granville and the baby the standard of her own toilette had gradually lowered then gradually he got inured to it the tousled tumbling hair the slipshod feet the soiled blouse gaping at the back were he reflected bitterly in perfect harmony with granville and of a piece with everything he had ceased to censure them they belonged so inalienably to the drab monotone they were so indissolubly a part of all his life and somehow she bloomed in spite of them ranny's unconquerable soul still cried stick it as he grappled with her shameless blouses and now suddenly she had changed all that she had become once more the creature of mysterious elegance a beauty charged with magical reminiscence in the trim skirt and stainless blouse clipped by the close belt and with a bit of narrow black velvet ribbon round her throat even in the morning she appeared once more with a clear parting in her brushed and burnished hair even in the morning her soft skin was once more sweet in its sheer cleanness and in the evening there soaked through and fell and hung about her that old fragrance of violets that invariably turned his head and she had bought new stockings and new shoes open-work stockings that showed her white feet through and little little shoes with immense steel buckles and her new mushroom with the big red roses round it assaulted battered and beat into cocked hats all the other mushrooms in the avenue but it was the stockings and the shoes that made him kiss her feet when on sunday the sixteenth he first saw them coming down the stairs do you like my shoes she said and she stuck them out one after the other as she was standing four steps above him they were on a level with his mouth so he kissed them one after another on the instep just above the buckles do you like my dress it's ripping 
do you like my hat it's an a one hat but it's those feet that fetch me he had not been so fetched for a whole year it was a most peculiar fetching they went to church together they had hired a little girl for the last week to mind the toddling baby in the mornings it might have been for church that she had put on that hat it could only be for him that she wore the shoes all through the service ranny's heart was singing a hymn to the blessed little feet that had so fetched him the blessed little tootsie woots in the blessed little shoes he knelt adoring to the hem of the new white dress he bowed his head under the benediction of the hat the fact that mercier was established in the chemist's pew opposite and was staring at the hat and under it did not interfere with his devotions in the least he could even afford to let old jujubes walk home with them though he managed to shake him off adroitly at his shop door nothing could really interfere with his devotions for he felt that those things especially the shoes were the outward and visible signs of an inward and spiritual grace some grace that had descended out of heaven upon violet the signs would be no doubt expensive they should not have been so much as dreamed of before michaelmas when he would get his rise that splendiferous get-up would in all probability just about clean him out rise and all but he tried not to look on the dark side of it he was not one to quench the spirit or the smoking flax but as the hours and the days went by it was borne in upon him that there was absolutely no connection between violet's inward state and that regenerated outside this perturbed him and it would have perturbed him more but that he had other things to think of and that in any case he believed that a woman's clothes do not necessarily point to an end beyond themselves now if he had been less preoccupied and had paid more heed to dates he would have noted three things that it was on and after the evening of thursday the twentieth that her mood of gay excitement and of satisfaction died and gave place to restlessness irritation and expectancy a strained and racking a dismayed and balked expectancy that thursday the twentieth was early closing day in southfields and that consequently leonard mercier was at large and having gone thus far in observation he must have seen that it was on and after thursday the twenty-seventh early closing day again that she became intolerable intolerable there was no other word for it the joie de vivre was so intense that it was not to be borne she had days of stupor now that followed fits of fury he didn't know which was the worse the fury or the stupor but it was the stupor that made him burst out one night at supper it was always at supper that these things happened she had brought it on herself by asking what he wanted now when he had broken the frightful silence by addressing her affectionately as vikey what i want said ranny then is a change i want bracing and bright surroundings and entertaining society i shall go and live at brookwood at last it was too much for anybody the fury this time it was too much for the charwoman even once a fortnight and she refused to come again it was too much for the little girl who minded baby in the mornings and she left her mother said she wouldn't have her put upon and complained that mrs ransome had served her something shameful ransome hardly liked to think how violet could have served the little girl before long he had an inkling for presently a new and incredible quality revealed itself in violet up till now she had never been unkind to the baby she had neglected it she had been indifferent to it but it had seemed impossible not only to ransome but to violet herself that she could be positively unkind he had charged the neglect to her ignorance 
and the indifference to the perversity of her passion for her husband it was thus that his mother had explained the mystery and at moments it looked as if she might be right but now that the little thing was on its feet padding about with a pathetic and ridiculous uncertainty stumbling and upsetting itself sitting down suddenly and clutching at things as it overbalanced and dragging them with it in its fall violet could only think of it as a perfect and omnipresent nuisance a thing inspired to torment her with its malignant and deliberate activity and from this she went on to think of it as grown up at fifteen months a mature person infinitely responsible its misfortunes its infirmities its innocences were counted to it as sins when jam spread itself over baby's face and buried itself in baby's neck and leaped forth and ran down to the skirts of his clothing baby was a nasty little thing and a naughty naughty girl then once in a fit of exasperation violet slapped baby's hands and found such blessed relief in that exercise that the slapping habit grew on her cries of anguish went up from granville till the neighbors two doors on either side complained but tiny hands slapped till as she said she was tired of slapping them gave no scope offered no continuous outlet to the imprisoned spirit within violet under a supreme provocation advanced to arm dragging and shaking she found that shaking on the whole did her most good and then one sunday morning ransom caught her at it he caught her coming up softly behind her and pinning her so that her fingers relaxed their hold and he swung her from him i'm not going to have that my girl he said he was deadly quiet about it and the deadliness and quietness subdued her but he kept the child away from her all day till it dropped off to sleep at bedtime after that he never knew another peaceful moment all his life was narrowed suddenly into the circle of one terror and one care it was like a nightmare while it lasted and it tethered him tight he couldn't get off by himself now on saturdays and sundays for he was afraid to leave the child with violet and violet with the child he came pounding home from woolridge's at a frantic pace for he never knew now what might be happening what might have happened in his absence and so on to the last days of july in that month granville so long deteriorating was at its worst the paper on the walls was blistering here and there like the paint the red and blue roses and the rosebuds wilted with an effect of putrefaction and the love-knots faded the front sitting-room furnished so proudly and expensively had long been abandoned because of the attendance it exacted in there you could positively smell the dust the pile of the plush held it and pierced through it as grass holds and pierces through the earth ranny had a landed estate in his chairs and sofa and the bright surfaces of polished wood and looking-glass were blurred as if the breath of dissolution had passed over them ranny's silver prized cups standing in a row on the little sideboard were tarnished every one violet had no pride in them that sitting-room was not supposed to be sat in yet ranny sat in it sometimes with baby as a refuge from the other for the other was awful it had the look not only of being lived in but of having lived of having lived hard brutally squalidly and of being worn out a room of which ranny said that go into it when you would it looked as if it had been up all night a stained bleared-eyed knock-kneed sinner of a room and oh the scullery where the shining sink had grown a grey rough skin 
a sort of fungoid coat from the grease that clung to it and the gas stove furred with rust skulked like some obscene monster in its corner he was afraid morally and physically afraid to look at that thing of infamy behind the back door he tried to pretend the scullery wasn't there and in the middle of it and through the fury and the stupor violet bloomed that was what he could not understand how between her own cruelty and that squalor she had the heart to bloom he dreaded every interruption and delay that detained him at woolridge's every chance encounter that kept him from that lamentable place where he feared and yet desired to be yet it was in those last days of july that granville as if it had passed through its mortal crisis took suddenly a turn for the better he came into his house late one evening and found peace and order there and the strange pungent smell of a thorough cleaning there was a clean white cloth spread in the sitting-room for supper spoons and forks and the china on the dresser and the table glistened everything that could be made to shine was shining from the gas stove in the scullery there came the alluring smell of a beefsteak pie baking it was wonderful and it all seemed to have been done by some divine invisible agency there was nobody about not at any rate at the back and overhead there was no sound of footsteps he was gripped by a sense of mystery almost of disaster as if a wonder so extreme had something ominous in it then he went into the front sitting-room on the plush sofa which had been moved from its place against the wall and drawn right across the bow of the window violet lay veiled from the street by white nottingham lace curtains pure white they were such whiteness as was not to be seen in the newest houses in the avenue the furniture had been polished till it looked like new all in a row ranny's silver prize cups shone again as on the day when he bore them from the field the smell of dust was gone instead of it there came toward him a sweet smell of violets and of woman's hair on the sofa in the window violet lay like a suburban odalisque voluptuous heavy-scented the flesh of her neck and arms showed rosy under the thin white muslin of her gown that clung to her in slender folds and fell away revealing the prone beauty of her body the dim light came on her through the nottingham lace curtains as light might come through some oriental lattice of fretted ivory she bloomed like a heavy flower languid sullen sweet heavy scented it was thursday the twenty fifth ransom looked about him and smiled i say this is a bit of all right did you do it yourself vi her large eyes opened on him in the pale light dark they were with a sensuous mockery in them do i look as if i'd done it myself she said she certainly didn't did you get a woman in then or what she hesitated a moment yes i got a woman in and the miracle continued so that ranny said that granville was not such a bad little fellow after all if you took him the right way and humoured him then he began to make discoveries the first was on the sunday morning when he went to his drawer for a pair of clean socks he had no hope of finding so much as one whole one and yet there were all his socks sorted and folded and laid in a row and every single one of them had been made whole with exquisite darning the same with his shirts and vests and things and they had been in rags when he had last looked at them and something had been done to his cuffs and collars too then there was the baby her hair that used to cling to her little head in flat rings as her sleep had crushed it was all brushed up and fluffed into feathery duck's tails that shone gold and gold 
she came to him lifting up her little clean pinafore and frock to show him she knew that she was fascinating it must be mother bless her he said to himself but it wasn't mother or if it was she lied about it then violet let it out it was on the night of tuesday the first of august at bedtime ransome was leaning over the cot where the baby lay tossed half naked between sleep and waking drowsy with dreams she was adorable with her little rose face half unfolded and the honey-pot smell of her silken skin violet stood beside him looking at the two sullenly but with a certain unwonted tolerance she was strange and still as if the unquiet spirit that had torn her was appeased i say it's worth while keeping this kid clean vi it repays you it pays winnie i suppose else she wouldn't do it winnie yes what are you staring at she's a pretty kid she added as if the admission had been wrung from her she's not been here said ransome hasn't she she was here all morning and all day yesterday and pretty nearly every day last week but how did she get off why it's sale time she's chucked them what's she done that for you'd better ask her his instinct told him that he would do well to let it pass he said no more that night but in the morning over his hurried breakfast he returned to it i don't like this about winnie he said has she got another job or what she's got what she wanted what's that a job at johnson's johnson's was the new drapers at the other corner of acacia avenue opposite the chemist johnson's ranny could not conceal his innocent dismay johnson's operations and his premises were so diminutive that for winnie after starker's the descent seemed awful are you sure she wanted it she must have wanted it pretty badly when she's willing to take seven bob a week less screw and if she'd waited till michaelmas she'd have got her rise ranny bent his head low over his cup he felt his face burning with a shame that he could not comprehend he knew that violet was looking at him and that made it worse you needn't worry she was saying it isn't your fault if she makes a fool of herself makes a fool of herself what do you mean the heat in his face mounted and flamed in his ears and he knew that he was angry you ought to know she sneered he was hotter he was intolerably hot i don't then he retorted you silly cuckoo do you mean to say you don't know she's gone on you lot of pains she takes to hide it you've only got to look at her to know at that the fire in him blazed out he rose bringing his fist down on the table you ought to be ashamed of yourself he said a low animal wouldn't say a thing like that when she's been so good to you where would you be i should like to know if it hadn't been for winnie she looked at him under her lowered brows and in her look there was that strange tolerance and mockery and a feigned surprise and with it all a sort of triumph as if she were rich in some secret and insolent satisfaction and could afford her tolerance me she mocked do you suppose it's me she comes for i don't know and i don't care but as long as she does come you've got to be decent to her see i am decent to her i don't mind her coming what difference does it make to me i should say it makes a thundering lot of difference if you ask me considering the work you've managed to get out of her for nothing it isn't my business i can't help it if she likes to come here and work for nothing you make me sick said ranny his eyelids stung him as if they had been cut by little little knives close under the eyeballs he turned from her shamed as if he had witnessed some indecency some outrage on a beautiful innocent thing outside in the sunlight his tears dazzled him an instant and sank back into their stinging ducts yes it had stung him and he had got to end it somehow for winnie's sake 
he had no idea how to set about it he could not let the little thing come and do his wife's work for her like that on the sly for nothing and yet he could not tell her not to come and he asked himself again and again why why does she do it why like that for nothing his heart began to beat uncomfortably trying to tell him why but he did not listen to it he was angry with his heart for trying to tell him things he did not know and did not want to know no he ought not to let her keep on coming but what was he to do how could he tell her not to come he went home through wandsworth that evening and called at st anne's terrace winnie was there she came down to him where he waited on the doorstep as they stood there he could see over the low palings of the gardens the window of the little house where he had climbed in that night that sunday night more than two years ago he said he had come to ask her to spend bank holiday with them they might go for a sort of picnic to richmond park and she must come back to supper that was his idea his solution his inspiration that she must come that she must be asked must be implored to come but as a guest in high honour and in festival they settled it and still he lingered awkwardly i say is it true that you've left starkers yes what did you do that for winky he did not know that he was going to ask her that but somehow he had to she paused but with no sign of embarrassment looking at him with her profound and placid eyes it was as if she had to search for the truth before she answered him i thought it best she said at last i didn't want to stay were you wise she smiled yes ranny i think so no there was not a trace of embarrassment about her such embarrassment as she would have been bound to feel if violet had been right she had spoken in measured tones as if from some very secret serious and sincere conviction she went on you see maudie wouldn't want me any more they're going to be married when fred gets his holiday yes but it isn't such a good thing for you is it her deed thus exposed presented to her in all the high folly of it she seemed to flinch as if she herself were struck with the frightful indiscretion of her descent from starkers it's quieter that's more what i want he smiled pressed home she was evasive as she had ever been look here he said as if he were changing the subject you've been found out found out ranny yes what have you been about this last week i can't have you going and doing vi's work for her you know oh that that was nothing i just put things straight a bit and now she's got to keep them straight he sighed and reverted i don't like your throwing up that good job i don't really he meant to go leaving it there all that she had done unacknowledged unexplained between them as she would have it left and instead of going he stood rooted to that doorstep and to his amazement he heard himself saying i wish i could do something for you winnie and then he took his own breath away with the abruptness of it look here why not come and make your home with us when maudie's married she smiled dimly as if she hardly saw him as if instead of standing beside him on the doorstep she were saying good-bye to him from somewhere a long way off oh no ranny that would never do why not there's that back room there doing nothing we don't want it you'd be welcome to it if it was any good she shook her head slowly it's very kind of you but it wouldn't do it really wouldn't i don't mean the room ranny it's a dear little room i mean i mean you know now at last she was embarrassed helpless shaken from her defences by the suddenness of his proposal all right winky he said gently then she broke down but without self-pity tearless in her own fashion 
oh ranny please don't think i'm horrid and ungrateful that's all right he said feebly he turned as if to go but she recalled him there's one thing you could do she said what's that i'll do anything well you can let me come over saturdays and sundays sometimes and look after baby while you take violet somewhere he said nothing and she went on if i were you ranny i'd take her somewhere every week i'd get her out all i could and he said again for the third time very humbly all right and as he went he called over his shoulder don't forget monday as if she was likely to forget it end of chapter twenty recording by expatriate in bangor maine